Welcome to the Grow Through International Expansion podcast. I'm Oliver Dowson. Let me be your guide as to how businesses, all kinds of businesses, small and large, can grow, solve their business problems, increase their profits, and grow their value. In these podcasts, we talk to all sorts of interesting people that bring their skills, experience, and insights to all aspects of international expansion. I hope you like these podcasts. If you do, subscribe and keep listening every week. We love comments too. And do share and tell others and check out our resources on our growinternational.org website. Afghanistan, Libya, Iraq, Sierra Leone, Bosnia-Herzegovina, Somalia, Timor-Leste. What links all these countries? Well, they're all examples of what are termed post-conflict countries. If, like me, almost all you learn about them is from the news media, uh, you'd probably think that in most of them the conflict is still going on. And so it is, up to an extent. But they're also all countries undergoing reconstruction. Not only infrastructure, but government, economies, education and health systems. This reconstruction is aided by developed countries' foreign aid programs, international financial institutions like the IMF and aid agencies. It's essential to reinstate a good quality of life for the populations, 99% of which probably never wanted conflict in the first place, just wanted to get on with their lives, but found their homes and living destroyed around them. Reconstruction programs that employ local labour are also proven to reduce violence, calm down the remaining pockets of conflict and build on that quality of life. And initiatives to develop new companies also promote stability and development. Well, where does international business come into all of this? The activities of foreign companies and inward investment are critical to the success of reconstruction. Most of the businesses there, of course, are large multinationals, but that doesn't mean there isn't tremendous scope for smaller companies brave enough to go into these countries. The rewards can be significant. Most of the small um, foreign companies that enter these markets are either part of the supply chain to the majors or come from countries that have cultural connections, but neither of those is essential. Pretty obviously, for many companies, it's an opportunity to build market leadership in places where there's little or no competition. Companies that want to invest can capture undervalued local firms and get access to unique markets. The local economies might be small right now, but the populations are big and the rate of growth is fast. There are valuable reconstruction projects up for grabs, often with financial incentives. There's also a lot of unemployed talent, not only ones that seek an income, but they genuinely ache for an opportunity to shine. Against these benefits, there are also, of course, many risks that business in a stable country would never face. Tensions at every level of society that sometimes play out against an international firm. Thoughtless hiring and bad HR policies can exacerbate rather than soothe the issues between different ethnic groups. Companies are often not prepared for the rapid changes that take place, things like laws and taxes. All challenges that may look forbidding, but against that, the opportunities are compelling. And all the risks are manageable with the right advice and support. Well, where can that be found? How can a company assess the benefit versus risk balance for a project or expansion plan? What are the challenges that companies entering conflict zones face? Resolving these issues 
and steering companies to success in post-conflict economies is bread and butter for our guest today, Leanne Case, and her colleagues at Bazir. In this podcast, Leanne's talking with me about the situation specific to Iraq, which is now one of the post-conflict economies that attracts the most interest in investment. Leanne's worked in countries that include Afghanistan and Iraq, so she's gained a huge amount of local experience. She has a special interest and experience in infrastructure, energy and engineering projects, extensive involvement with tech startups, and a great deal of empathy for the needs for social reconstruction. She's also written an article, Why I'm Backing Iraq, which you can find on the Grow International platform and which provides a valuable additional insight into business opportunities and challenges in post-conflict economies. Click on the articles section on growinternational.org and you'll find it there. Meanwhile, listen in to my conversation with Leanne Case. So Leanne... Welcome to the Grow Through International Expansion podcast. Hi, Oliver. Nice to speak to you. So I have to start with the obvious question. Um, since you're majoring on Iraq, why Iraq? I would say so many reasons um, to talk about doing business in Iraq. Uh, just to name a few, Iraq has the fifth largest proven oil reserves um, against countries like Iran and Venezuela. So in oil and gas terms, very significant country. Um, I think it's also really interesting from a education point of view that before 1980, um, Iraq was one of the most developed countries in the region with excellent education, with a huge emphasis on engineering um, and uh, technology. Iraq has huge potential. There's a young and growing population. Current estimates are um, in the region of 38 million. And if you uh, put that together with the fact that Iraq is a middle income country, um, I think you've got every reason to, to talk about Iraq if you're in business. But all we see about it over here in the West is, you know, bombs and risks and terrible things. Isn't it dangerous? Well, Iraq is a large country. Um, it is post-conflict, so perhaps historically um, the images we've seen are were of conflict, but things have changed a lot since then. Um, the war was in 2003, and we're now in 2019. Iraq is very much post-conflict um, developing economy. Great. So, but what sort of companies would want to do business in a conflict zone like Iraq? So Iraq is post-conflict, so it's not a conflict zone anymore. Um, but typically, as a, as a company with huge oil and gas reserves, the oil majors are already there. So Exxon, Shell, Luke Oil, Gazprom, Wood Group have all been there and doing business for quite some time. Um, but over and above that, any ambitious company with an international outlook should be thinking about doing business in Iraq. Just ones that would basically want to have those oil companies as customers or other types of company as well? So that's one very significant aspect. But as I've mentioned, um, Iraq has a significant population, which means that there's a huge consumer demand and along with the middle income. So there is wealth in the country as well. Um, and after conflict, as with any post-conflict, it needs to rebuild. So in terms of engineering, construction, 
technology, obviously with a young population, healthcare, there's huge demand, consumer goods, food, um, education, anything that you can think of in terms of consumer goods, there's a need in Iraq. That's really interesting. I guess they're things we never really think about if we're over here in the West. Um, so for companies actually operating there or setting up, what, what issues do they face? So um, Iraq is quite diverse, so it depends where you're focusing, but I don't think we can sugarcoat it. It, it is um, a challenging place to do business and um, technology has been hampered. So how people access information might vary. What's really important when you're thinking about doing business in Iraq is local information and understanding. Um, these issues can relate to being on the ground so there are security issues in some areas that you would want to avoid um, but also in terms of how we do business um, I've worked with many international companies building teams um, and working to international standards but I think building that um, cultural understanding making sure that your team and country have the same values and understand how you want your company to operate to the highest standards I think all of that needs to be considered when you're you know building a business in Iraq absolutely um, so plenty of things to actually think about I think the, everybody gets confused with countries in the region I mean I know Iran has U.S. sanctions. Are there any sanctions on Iraq or doing business in Iraq? Um, that's right. So Iran, um, which neighbours Iraq to the west, has uh, sanctions. But as I've said, Iraq is a post-conflict. There are no sanctions. But I would always advise any company um, to be in touch with the FCO. So there's a British embassy in Baghdad, which has a UK trade and investment DIT, Department for International Trade Office, as it's now known. And I would always advise companies to talk to them um, in their initial stages of exploration. Right. My other sort of immediate question about things like this is that I imagine that, you know, when one thinks about countries like this, many of the people I talk to in business immediately start to think that there's going to be a lot of corruption. And particularly based with all the laws against corruption now in the UK, stronger still in the USA, um, obviously they're anxious to avoid that. Is it? Is corruption a problem there? Yes, it's challenging. So um, I think if you look at the World Bank indices, doing business in Iraq um, is challenging. But I think um, it's really interesting to see that a number of companies who have very high standards on corruption and transparency operate perfectly viably um, in Iraq. So um, having worked with many of these companies, I would say that from the outset, it's important. And I would say this in any country, I would say this if you were operating in the UK, that doing your planning, carrying out due diligence on your partners and implementing international standards uh, from the outset is really important. So certainly there are many companies who have high internal standards um, operating transparently and sustainability uh, sustainably in Iraq. Sure. Um, and there are things that you, I guess these are all things that you actually work with um, companies 
in Iraq or trading with Iraq to resolve. Yes, absolutely. In fact, um, part of the reason that we, we started this business was to um, use our experience of having worked in Iraq um, with many international companies implementing projects at an international standard. Um, we wanted to see more of that and to make it easier for businesses um, who share those values to operate in the market um, sustainably um, and avoid these pitfalls. Is this an expensive business to get into business in Iraq? Because a lot of our listeners are going to be um, smaller and medium-sized companies, um, and they're looking for international opportunities. I'm guessing from what you said earlier that Iraq could be a sort of exciting and relatively untapped destination for them, but isn't it going to cost them a lot and take a long time to get started there? Yeah, um, I guess that's one of the barriers that companies have faced. And again, that was part of the reason that we established Vizia, uh, because we want to see more companies operating ethically um, and in the long term in this market. So there are a lot more options for companies now. Um, so companies like ours uh, provide a much more cost-effective way to help companies enter and operate in the market. So um, I don't think companies should be put off by expectations of, of the costs. Right. So which countries do companies trying to entering Iraq at the moment come from? Where do they, are they from? the US and the UK, or I guess they're from many other countries? Yeah, well, there's a lot of regional interest. So um, Emirates and Saudi, obviously, um, are, are very active. But as I've mentioned, um, a lot of companies from the US, so Exxon um, are very big, Chevron, um, Total, so French company, Wood Group, um, which I think still retains British ownership, although I can't <laughs> always remember. You know. Who knows? Um, yeah. Well, they do. So, <laughs> yeah, so um, in fact, there are companies from all over the world operating in Iraq. I would say um, many of the technology and oil and gas companies uh, are very international. So you've got Chinese, CMPC, you've got Russians, you've got Americans, you've got Dutch uh, UK companies um, and then obviously you've got American companies like Microsoft are very active um, and in the consumer goods I would say regional partners but in healthcare there's been a lot of activity to attract companies from all over the world to fill that massive need so it, it's quite varied. All right um, really interesting and I guess also we you said earlier it's a big country um, and oh, it's not so, not somewhere that anyone really knows much geography of apart from Baghdad, Bat. So they, what, what are the opportunities beyond Baghdad? Um, so Baghdad is the administrative capital. Um, Basra is very wealthy in terms of oil deposits um, and the northern region, um, again, is, is very different. So I would say... Um, there are many opportunities across the country. So we've seen um, recently electricity, the Ministry of Electricity have signed deals with GE and Siemens in the billions of dollars recently. And that will be a national initiative which will present many opportunities for international companies. Um, again, in terms of construction and engineering, the British government has um, a fund-backed um, so a guarantee 
for companies in that sector operating across Iraq. So as you can imagine, there's a reconstruction need. Um, housing, again, is uh, something that's growing as well. So across the country, there are needs. Um, and I think what was covered extensively in the press was the need for the rebuilding of Mosul, which is in the north of Iraq, um, and a massive fundraising activity going on there. And I think what we see are a lot of UK companies in the built environment, so architecture, design, transport, um, designing a lot of the solutions uh, to the problems that have emerged. So is Iraq safe for Westerners to be based there? I can imagine um, people telling their families, I'm off to Iraq, and being <laughs> everyone thinking they were about to be uh, never going to see them again. Um, or does the business really rely entirely upon using local skills and labor resource? Well, it's a really interesting question. And I, I've been working in Iraq and ha have lived there um, on two occasions since 2009 um, under different kind of circumstances. And I, I think it's been really fascinating to see this rise in tourism and uh, Twitter um, articles about people who are traveling there without security. Um, I think that, as I've said previously, Iraq is a huge country uh, with varying degrees of security across different regions. Um, and this is why the need for local understanding and context is so important. There are areas in Iraq where you may be safe to uh, work and there are areas where you definitely uh, would be advised to avoid Many um, international employees work in Iraq, so Basra, the oil companies, are training Iraqi staff and, and getting them up to speed to run the oil fields there. I would always advise seeking um, suitable uh, advice, uh, but certainly different areas of Iraq have different levels of safety. Uh, many people do travel um, to the safer areas. You actually mentioned the word tourism there. Is it possible to be a tourist? I remember seeing um, <laughs> uh, that flights had opened from Vienna and in-flight magazine uh, some time ago. Yeah, well, certainly um, the northern region of Iraq um, has had a big push on tourism. Um, so the citadel in Kurdistan um, is very interesting. I've had the pleasure of visiting it myself uh, quite some while ago, but in the, uh, there is a growing tourism industry there. Uh, Iraq actually has a quite active um, tourism scene. There have been new hotels built recently, so it's had its first recent five-star hotel built in Baghdad. Um, and certainly there is a huge amount of religious tourism, which is a growing sector um, in parts of, of Iraq as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if companies are interested in looking at the opportunities. Where do they start with researching opportunities? Yeah, I would say always um, have a look at the DIT site or reach out to the um, embassy office in Baghdad. And obviously, um, I would suggest talking to uh, companies like us, whose business it is to help companies succeed in Iraq and other um, growing uh, markets. At Vizier, you're going to specialise in other post-conflict zones as well, I think. Yeah. 
So do you want to just give us a taste of some of the other countries where um, you and your team may be able to help companies? So Vizier is, is built out of our experience of operating successfully to international standards in challenging emerging markets. We have a vast amount of experience of helping companies in Iraq, um, but also have uh, interest and experience in other really interesting markets um, such as Libya, uh, Mozambique and just to name a few. Great. That all sounds really, really interesting. Um, anything else that businesses ought to know about um, Iraq before we leave the subject? I would only urge companies, any companies that are ambitious, um, that have maybe been hesitant about Iraq, thinking that there's still a high cost to entry and that the risks are too many to reach out and give us a call. We can certainly help mitigate those risks. Okay, that's really that's really interesting, and I, I hope you get lots of calls. So, listeners to this podcast, if you check out the accompanying page on www.growinternational.org, uh, you'll actually find how to contact Leanne, um, a map of Iraq, um, some other details and background information about the opportunities that are there. So, well worth checking out the website um, where you'll find the appropriate links. Leanne, thank you very much for talking with me today. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Oliver. It's been a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed listening to this conversation and this podcast. I really welcome your comments and also suggestions for future conversations. We post new content every week, so please do click on the subscribe button and follow this, the Grow Through International Expansion podcast. You can also find the transcript, other articles, and detailed resources relating to this episode on our website, growinternational.org. There, you can also join as a member for future updates and find all our other articles, videos, and podcasts, and benefit from other features, including free consultations and independent online advice. Again, that's www.growinternational.org. Until next time, this is Oliver Dowson, wishing you success and reminding you that international expansion may be easier than you may think. Mm-hmm.